It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back by no one's demand, but our own and from hot as hell, scenic Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee, and of course the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. This is the award-winning 615 Sessions Podcast. It's powered by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. It's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Good God, we are so for full context. This podcast drops in your feed every Tuesday at midnight in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. By the way, I'm Buck Rising. Some of you are new around here. Maybe you don't know that, and that's okay. It's a humbling moment for me every once in a while when I got to reset on this thing, given that this is the original thing. But we are taping this podcast at 10.17 p.m. Central Time on Monday, August the 9th. We will have Teron Davenport of ESPN. We will have Corey Curtis of News Channel 2, where, of course, the Titans preseason games will air and we have a great podcast put together for all of you but as we were wrapping up the primetime show on a monday night this uh, twitter it's not a twitter spat it's just aj brown absolutely caving in the head of paul karski on social media which is fortuitous timing because here i thought we were going to put this podcast out and miss the action but instead we have it drop right into our laps so first it's going to be td and Corey Curtis, TD and CC, is the show today. Then we will come back. We will answer your Music City mailbag questions, and we'll talk about what's happening with Paul and AJ Brown, because it is indeed a comedy of errors. But first, and most importantly, I have to tell you about my friends at Two Rivers Ford. I have been telling you quite a bit about my friends at Two Rivers Ford, and I know some of you out there, you haven't checked out Ford in a while. That's okay. I'm here to tell you why you should. They've got some amazing new vehicles in the works, like the new Ford Maverick, which is a smaller truck built for people who aren't necessarily truck people. It's compact, gets great gas mileage, but at the same time, it's roomy and has all the bells and whistles that you associate with Ford vehicles. The 2022 Maverick, though, is priced at under $20,000, which I think is incredibly cool. Remember, the Maverick is only available for pre-order. It's not on the lot just yet, but you can stop and talk to any of the non-commissioned sales reps at Two Rivers Ford about it. When you talk about non-commissioned salespeople, that's the best thing about Two Rivers Ford. They pay their salespeople whether you buy or not, so there is zero pressure during the car buying experience. So, go trust the people who have been trusted in Middle Tennessee for nearly 40 years. That's Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet, or online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to TD and Corey Curtis. Hey. 
615 Sessions podcast. Teron Davenport of ESPN is here. Corey Curtis of WKRN News 2 is here. And that means that there is Titans discussion to be had. Boys, how are we living? Oh, everything is great, man. I'm reporting to you live from Girl Dad Duty. <laughs> my girls over there getting their hair done. School starts on Tuesday. So got to do what you got to do. I told Teron, man, and I tell everybody, have girls. Boys are trouble. And so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ads unite. And then that very quickly before practice launched into a conversation about how an alligator can change what sex it is based on the the, the heat coming out of the nest, oh, courtesy of change. Corey Curtis. When the when the eggs wow. are laid, they are sexless. And then the temperature of the nest determines whether they are going to be boy alligators or girl alligators. Which is the things that we learn before Titans practice. But we're not here to talk about things learned before Titans practice. Good. We're here to talk about things learned at Titans practice. And yeah, <laughs> Teron was not prepared for that particular version of the girl dad talk. <laughs> So, so we quickly wave in front of the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, this embarrassment of, a, of an unofficial depth chart. Mm. We have to start here, boys. I am. I I told Corey before we started rolling to Ron that the idea that they would list Jeff Swaim as the starting tight end among all of these things is an insult to all of our our intelligence. Tell people why this thing is stupid that I'm holding in front of me. Well, first and foremost, you got to look at un o. Yeah. That says a lot. But then also, you know, a lot of people get tied up in first string, second string, third string. It's not necessarily you got the first group, right? Your starters. It, it essentially boils down to starters and reserves. And then you have reserves that mix in with the starters. This is checkers, not chess. I don't think it's something that we should get too bent over out of shape about. It, it's it's like, OK, it's it's a guideline, but none of it is official. Well, I would say uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, availability is the most type of important ability for a football player. And I don't know how you become number one by leading the Peloton, but that's what Jeff Swaim has done to this point. Uh, But I agree with you that it's unofficial. But I do think that coaches try to send messages with these types of things. And Mike Vrabel uh, said as much in his post-game presser today, or post-practice presser today, when he talked about wanting the youngsters to earn their way into these spots. So yes, he's saying that, yeah, it's just unofficial. It doesn't matter, but there's a reason we're not listing guys here. They got to earn it. Now he said that they will earn it. And some guys will earn their way off of that list. And so you ask yourself right now, are they sending a message to Anthony Ferkser? Because yes, we all expect big things from Anthony Ferkser in the passing game, but is Anthony Ferkser doing enough with the rest of his game? I don't know, but is that message being sent? Well, and and to that point, I mean, it's not just Ferkser who is clearly in the driver's seat for a starting position on this team. You he got Caleb. Be. You got well, yeah. That, no, otherwise, it becomes an inherently different conversation about the tight end because Luke Stocker, my friends, is not tight end one. That much I can tell you. But Caleb Farley and Elijah Molden, fourth and fifth on this depth chart according to the corners. Now, inevitably, that will not be the case unless there is disaster, which is always possible, i.e. last year. But, I mean, Corey, with with what we saw today, I thought it was such a great teaching moment 
for Caleb Farley and for the rest of the team that would witness that moment for Caleb Farley, where they're going through 11 on 11. He's in coverage. He trips, kind of gets caught up in himself, lays down on the play. Logan Woodside, athlete that he is, takes advantage of the down corner, starts scrambling in the direction of the down corner because he gave up on the play. He goes on to talk about Vrabel does after practice, guys. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, games that they got their asses kicked in the first half of those games, but found ways to get up off the ground in the second half. I thought that was as, as ironic and, and timely a lesson for these guys to learn and something that Vrabel, I think, very much took advantage of today. Yeah, it's not college football. That's that's for sure. And, you know, how many how long do we see college guys have to learn about when a guy with the ball puts a knee down? And they, and they stop playing. You have to play. And what, what do they like to say to the echo of the whistle? And you never know when you are going to catch up on a play that you think you're out of. I'll never forget that play when the Titans played the Eagles and they left that dude uncovered on the outside and Jarrell Casey tracked him down about 40 yards downfield. That that's the tape Vrabel needs to pull out. Uh, to show everybody after that type of situation. You can't ever give up on a play because you don't know if getting up and making that tackle 40 yards downfield is going to be what ultimately saves the game because it can be the difference between a touchdown and a field goal or even a missed field goal. You can't take plays off. You can't take half a playoff. And this is the time to Ron when those obviously it's good that they're getting him in as early as humanly possible, it seems, because since being activated, he hadn't missed a day of practice, even though he may not have gone through a full practice. Yeah, it is really good that you get him out there because the whole idea is to get him as comfortable as possible, not only physically, but mentally with his recovering from the injury, but also you want him to get a better grasp of the playbook. You want him to understand the assignments and things that you're asking him to do. And no one. No one, well, I'll say very few people on this planet learn better than by actually being out there and, and doing what it is they're, they're asked to do. So that's all for the better. I think really there, there's a variety of reasons. And uh, for me, you know, you mentioned not giving up on a play. I think a good example is you look at last year, the Cardinals and Seahawks with DK Metcalf, you know, showed his above human ability and tracked down Buda Baker. And they ended up winning the game by less than a touchdown. And that play actually was a big factor. So that's an example of why you never give up. And I, I just like the way Vrabel was quick. Coach Vrabel was quickly able to go to that point and, and just kind of deliver that when he spoke to us, because there's always a moment where you could coach somebody up. So to that end, with uh, what Teron's talking about, coachable, teachable moments, you have, uh, you have Ryan Crow over the weekend, the outside linebackers coach, where they're going through the Harold Landry. It's, it's a perpetual theme. We talk about Harold Landry's second move, whether he's coming out of Boston College, and we're saying, okay, here's what he's got. This is where he needs to develop last offseason uh, or, or coming into 2019 when he had a great year. Seems like a lot of people had Harold speed dip move figured out. Then you hear Ryan Crow on Saturday, Teron, talking about they want him to make mist- make different mistakes in right. this training camp, and they're taking away his fastball. And I thought it was one of the best coaching and teaching moments that they've let us understand as a part of the media, because that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out where these guys are at, not, necess- not necessarily the inquisition every time we get them on a podium. Yeah, exactly. And I asked 
Coach Crow that specifically because I wanted to know. I mean, we this is like year three, year two at the very least. So, okay, what else does he have in addition to the fastball? So he said that they're asking him – well, not asking, excuse me. They don't ask the players. They're telling him not to utilize that because – they want him to develop something else, get something else going. And I think that's really smart. And it's just like a pitcher, right? Uh, and you use the fast fastball reference. Okay, you know, um, Ryan Syndergaard has uh, – Noah Syndergaard has a, a big-time fastball. Okay, that's great. But you want him to work on a curveball, and spring training is when you do that. And just the same, that's what Landry is able to do now. I, I also asked him about some of the cut-ups and things that they're showing and uh, they're showing him different, not players specifically, but different moves that he could begin to acclimate. But the biggest thing is to be out there executing those. And that's why having Bud Dupree there to kind of show him some other moves is really important and getting him to execute that there in practice. And that's something that Weaver has brought up. Uh, Rashad Weaver, who's uh, who went through a little bit of a different line of questioning of his own right this weekend. But Rashad right. Weaver, <laughs> right? Rightfully so. Absolutely. But Rashad Weaver has brought up Bud Dupree and kind of the teaching moments that he's even had from him early on just because they share a financial advisor and we're able to connect that way. Ola Adenyi, who came to this team in free agency, Corey, also spoke of uh, big brother Bud, who's doing all of these things to show them how to diversify their skill set as pass rushers. Well, when you pay a guy $16 million a year, obviously the number one thing you want is productivity on the field. But you also need that person generally to be a leader. I, I remember when the Titans gave Chris Johnson all the money, they basically said, okay, here's the money. Now we also need you to do this, 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 and this, which he hadn't been doing in the past. It, it goes with the territory. And that's why you have to be careful with the type of person that you select to write yeah. those kind of checks to. You have to know the man. Can they handle it? Can they deliver on all the things that you want to do everything I've heard from Bud Dupree tells me he is that kind of guy. Now um, I, I would say with Harold Landry, yes, he needs to develop another move. Um, obviously, you know, he needs help on the other side, obviously, but you know, as I said before, you know, the old cliche available is the biggest type of ability, but I think you don't want to be on the other side predictable. And when you're predictable, people know how to set up for you over and over again. So you don't have to have 15 moves. If you have two, two good moves, you, you can set each other up. So if we'll see if he can take that next step, it would behoove him to take that next step because I believe he's in a contract year. And I believe this league pays guys handsomely who can get nine or more sacks in a season. He could set himself up to really make a lot of money. If he can deliver this season. Now I like Harold Landry. I think he does a lot of things that help this football team because they like big, strong guys who set the edge. We'd like to see him get to the quarterback more, but he's on the field. He plays physical. He plays strong. He he's a move away from being a really, really good player and making a lot of money. For certain. And, uh, and in the meantime, we'll have the opportunity because I don't know, I don't imagine Harold's going to play much on, on Friday when they go down to Atlanta. I can't imagine many of the starters would, but we do have the opportunity to see a bunch of different guys who are going to be yeah. behind Harold and, uh, and Bud Dupree. John Simon is somebody who's been starting 
in this defense in the absence of Bud Dupree until uh, like, like Caleb Farley, Bud has been back what three days now Mm -hmm. uh, recording this podcast on a Monday. And he has practiced in some capacity on all three days, which is a good sign. If you're a Titans fan, keeping track of all of the various injuries that everybody's on individual plants for Rashad Weaver, John Simon, Derek Roberson, probably on the outside at this point, given the snap disparity between him and somebody like Wyatt Ray from last year. Uh, What, what I guess in the, preseason are you Teron most most focused on because there's going to be a lot of different stuff to look at but I wonder if there's any one particular position like edge rusher yeah it's always easy to say to receivers uh, obviously Marcus uh, Johnson a guy you know I, I've spoken about for quite some time and wave the flag him. baby wave the flag <laughs> That's right man he, he Marcus Johnson got the TD stamp of approval so we're going to keep that going but Chester Rogers too but I think you you hit it right there. I, I'm going to be watching. I want to see Derek Roberson get back on track to where he was. You look at his rookie year, and he was a guy that, you know, he sacked Drew Brees. He was uh, a key player, you, you know, in in the uh, championship game against the, the Chiefs. You know, you saw him getting important reps. So I want to see him continue to take that next step. I know that that guy has a lot of ability. I mean, coming out of high school, he was a big-time recruit, has some stuff. He ended up you know, at Sam Houston, but there's plenty of ability there with him. And as a matter of fact, Monday we're recording this and he's coming. He had a pretty nice day today, to be honest with you. I watched him over there during the half line period and not necessarily rushing the passer, but as you mentioned, aggressively setting the edge. And that's something that he did. We saw him turn the, the, the tackle inside. Derrick Henry had to bump a couple runs inside because it wasn't going to be able to go outside. Those are the things I want to look at and see him doing those little things, which all add up into an increase in reps, which definitely will help his productivity. Which is a good sign, because when we talked to Crow on Saturday, when when the analysis was, well, this is the best he's ever looked in camp, that that felt to me like a little bit of a kiss of death. I'm like, they're reaching for something nice to say about the guy. He's got to show something. He's got a couple of weeks to get this thing going. Well, yeah. I'm really looking on the uh, the defensive side of the ball, guys. I mean, that, that that's what's going to determine this year for this football team. I, I know we like those young DBs. How do they step up in the game? I want to see that swagger. I want to see that intensity. And and we all like what we're seeing from the front seven, right? From Tierra Tart and Lorel Murchison. And, and we think we think it's better. And I don't know how much those guys are going to play, but I'd like to see him play some to see if that continues in a game situation, especially because I think the, the Falcons are going to try to play physical. I mean, I think that's going to be one of the changes with Arthur Smith. I mean, shoot, didn't he just bring in Deontay Foreman about yeah. a, you know, 295 pound running back. I mean, he, they're going to try to be physical. It's going to be a good challenge for those guys up front. I want to see if they can carry that over onto the game field and, and, and the step up from the corners from the young guys. it's it's a good listen it's a good strategy it's a but it's just much harder to be bigger and physical more physical than everyone else when the team that you've just left has Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and Roger Saffold and all these big nasty bruisers so I got a little work to do down there in Atlanta but it's going to be a fun uh, a fun preseason preseason game mostly because it's just football but an an interesting preseason game with some good storylines to be able to follow, I guess, Teron, going back to the wide receiver position, we haven't seen Julio or AJ for, for, uh, I mean, Julio a little longer at this point, AJ, the last two days in a row, everybody on individual plan. So nobody aggregate this or panic about what's being said about the wide receivers right now, but the guys getting reps behind them is, is a critical part of this. Well, Marcus Johnson, you've brought up, who's been stellar. 
throughout camp. Now, the thing, the one thing that I'll give any validity to on this depth chart is the idea that they got Chester Rogers as the punt returner because that's somewhere yeah. they like him, and it's a good opportunity to find a roster spot for a fifth or sixth receiver, depending on how they do the math this year. Outside of Marcus Johnson, what have you seen from the rest of this group, whether that's NWI or uh, or Cam Batson, who's been around here for a couple of years, or even Des Fitzpatrick, as he kind of find, looks to find his footing in his rookie season? Well, I'll start with Fitzpatrick. And to me, hey, just as you said, he, he's looking to find his footing. I think what he's being asked to do, I mean, he's they cross-train everybody, but he's the guy that you're seeing get reps at all three. Right. So he really has to know all three. I think that's slowing him down just as far as the grasp of the playbook and just everything just kind of spinning. You could tell that there's a, a little bit going on with him just as far as thinking too much or even just not being comfortable. And that's not surprising from a rookie. I mean, heck, not too long ago, you used to say a rookie receiver doesn't really have a chance and likely he's not going to really get into his, his full grind. And, and goes on until his third year. Right. Obviously, it's a lot different with guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Cooks and all these guys coming in, impacting immediately Amani Cooper. But still, that's, still that's something to uh, – right, A.J. Brown, in fact. That's still something to consider. And I, I think he's a guy that's going to make the roster, obviously. But I, I don't see him being activated on game days. So I feel that there's there's much uh, more progress for him to, to, to be made. But – you know, when I look at Chester Rogers, you see him. I, he actually had a catch today. And, I mean, that gone. It was Jayon Brown hit him and a DB hit him, and he held on to the football. It goes back to something that we as receivers, you know, you always believe, hey, I'm going to get hit anyway, so I might as well catch it. And that's what he did. So it was good to see that. And he just continues to make those type of plays in tight windows. Ryan Tannehill truly has trust in him. So that's something to watch. Um, you mentioned Marcus Johnson. Uh, just consistency, that's really the thing for me. Westbrook and Kenny is, is becoming more comfortable catching the football. He had a couple altercations with it uh, recently, but, you know, you see him uh, embracing the football when it comes his way. So that's that's a much better thing. Racy McMath has been kind of up and down. But one thing that I see with him, that dude loves a high point. You know, you put it up there, he's going to go get it. And that's just a part of his natural ability, his size, and his athleticism. So you see those. Um, Freddie Brown, right? I was calling him downtown Freddie Brown, you know, to start camp. I, I'm going to get away from that name. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he's having his struggles. But the thing that I'm seeing mostly, he's carrying one rep to the other. And you can't do that. When you have a drop, you got to leave it there, right? And he, he had a bad period uh, yesterday. And he just kind of kept just allowing it to accumulate. And you can't do that. You want to stack good days and good plays, but not bad ones. So, he definitely has to get better there. Uh, Cam Batson is another one where, this I mean, coming in, I, I, yeah, I thought for sure that he had a roster spot, at least from a return perspective. But truth be told, you know, when it comes to just playing the slot purely, I, I think Mason Kinsey is the best pure slot receiver. But Chester uh, Rogers has been a little more consistent as far as inside and outside. And as you mentioned, he has the inside track for uh, the, the punt return duties. So, We'll see what happens there. I got them keeping seven. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. And it's going to be close, man, how, how they have these groups. So we'll, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to watching Mason Kinsey, though, on Friday because he's from Atlanta. So seeing him go home, 
you know, and, and, and get to uh, play there is, is, is going to be good. And I just love the guy's work ethic and, and what he brings. One okay, of these seven receivers. Podcast. Well, I was just going to say one of these one of these seven receivers that the Titans may keep. Not not downtown Freddie Brown. Out of town Freddie Brown is yeah. how this is is this is yeah. running at this point. I, I, I as I say, I know this is your podcast, but I do want to ask a question to you guys and bring oh, it yeah. up. I mean, Josh Reynolds did not come here on a big deal. He, he got one point seven five million, and we all know he missed uh, what a week or so at camp. And we continue to see Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, elevating, elevating, elevating. Is that number three receiver spot in jeopardy with Josh Reynolds? Does he need does he need to worry about that at this point, or is this just way too early? I mean, I, Teron, I'll let you speak to this more in depth because you obviously understand the the nuances, of the position much more than than Corey or I do. But like, I I don't think that we should pencil in Josh Reynolds for wide receiver three just because he's a free agent acquisition. I think he has a place on this team. Certainly, I think he has utilization, uh, many many different facets that they can use him if he's right. I just don't know that he's. I, I don't want to make excuses for the guy, but I watch him, and he just something about it doesn't look right to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Something doesn't look right. I know he had a shoulder situation that was bothering him coming into camp, but you're right. Like that turnover, that, that acceleration, that burst, I'm not really seeing that. And, and let me say this, right. I don't believe it's going to happen, but Chris Sanders and I, for our segment on my podcast, you know, we talk about this a lot and Chris always brings it up. He doesn't even know that Josh Reynolds' roster spot is guaranteed. Now, I would be surprised if he got released, but I take it back mentally to 2016. The Eagles, they went out and signed Chris Givens and Ruben Randall to deals right in that similar ballpark. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. They let their behinds go. Well, financially, you know, it's not a big hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, obviously, but I, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked Coach Rabel specifically about Reynolds. And he said there were kind of basic things that he said that he was impressed with his professionalism. Okay. Well, how, you know, uh, he didn't make mistakes. You're not seeing mental errors. Okay. But you expect more than that from your number three receiver. You want to see plays being made out there, Mm -hmm. but just another thing with him is during mini camp and you saw it briefly a couple of days ago in training camp, he was back there with the group of returners. And by the way, punt returners, that is. And they had a money hook back there as well. I don't think they're going to do that, but, you know, they're just throwing okay. guys in the midst. Yeah. I, I mean, one one year, 1.75 mil, fully guaranteed for Josh Reynolds. I, the, the opportunity was here for him pre-Julio Jones, but the opportunity becomes much more complicated, especially with the way that we've seen these guys, uh, these guys behind him, theoretically, on the roster take their game up to another level. Chester Rogers and Marcus Johnson have been around the league for a while. Not that Josh Reynolds isn't a vet at this point, but there, there are just things that, as you said, Teron, that makes you feel as a spectator that they can be trusted in situations so far in practice. Clearly. I mean, today Tannehill looked as good as I've seen him look for all of these, all of the, the stink made about training camp interceptions and all of this stuff early on in the past couple of days, Corey, like I'm just looking at this and saying, no, he's just figuring out who he can trust. And it's not Fred Brown because Fred Brown, there's an interception every time they throw it to Fred Brown. Well, it's a good time for him to figure it out because obviously he doesn't have AJ and Julio to throw to. And, you know, we've seen when Ryan Tannehill first came on, who did he throw to? 
he threw to the guys that he worked with the most when he was the Titans' number two quarterback. I mean, Anthony Ferkser was one of his guys. A.J. Brown was coming back from that hamstring, so they worked a lot together, and he was his guy. And so, you know, it took him a while to get really on board with Corey Davis and the ones. I mean, that, that, that wasn't necessarily there. You could see the comfort zone, though, with Ferkser and Khalif Raymond and A.J. Brown and all those guys. So it is a valuable time for all of those guys. And, you know, we keep talking about Marcus uh, Johnson and Chester Rogers. Teron, you know, stacking practices in camp in a positive way is tough to do. No matter how soft we say camp is now, it's still hot. It's still a grind. You're still out there working every day. And these guys are stacking and that shouldn't go unnoticed. Now I'm always the guy who rings on the parade and says, look, if these guys play, that means Julio Jones and AJ Brown really aren't playing. And so that's, well, look, if, if those guys are getting a ton of work, one of those guys is not all right. Now they could be playing and getting a ton of work are are two different things. I, I could definitely see them rotating in. And we talked about, the number three receiver, yes, right? And both of these guys can play inside and outside, just like Josh Reynolds and obviously like Jones and Brown. So if they're getting snaps, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing, but it's it's they're taking somebody else's snaps away. And and that's why I say to Josh Reynolds. No, three receivers on the field. Do you think we could see more four receiver personnel this year than we've ever seen from the Titans? Well, possibly, possibly. And, and it could be that look, right? Mm-hmm. But with Fertz are lined up out wide or in the slot or Darrington Evans. Yes. I, I expect to see that. I expect them to use Darrington to, to try to create the mismatches that Janu created before with his speed. It certainly helped Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo bills and Josh Allen to be running those four wide receiver sets. I mean, it fits his skill set very, very well. And to your, to your point, Dawson Knox, the tight end, uh, local product is, is that Ferkser role for the bills when they use four wide and one of them's a receiving tight end. I, I think there's a there's going to be a lot of fun storylines to watch. Of course, you can watch the preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons on Friday on WKRN News 2 That's preseason right. coverage. That's your home. And you can also find Teron Davenport on Sports Extra and all of the all of our friends, Emily Proud and Kayla Anderson. And while you're not doing that, you can listen to the Talking with TD podcast because that's great pregame coverage as well. The boys got you covered. They've been kind enough to grace us. Uh, with their time here on the podcast. I'm excited to have football back, boys, because that means we can talk about it in like actual uh, ways that actually make sense instead of just preseason nonsense like we've been doing for the past three months. Well, I say about this team with the wide receiver situation, it's very refreshing to talk about how you keep it down to a number instead of how to create a number higher. You know, (laughs) How are they going to keep five of these guys? Because we've had a lot of those years. Taewon Taylor. I, I don't need to live that. <laughs> God love him. He's a, he's a sweet guy, but oh I think my he's God. on the COVID list. He's, 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 he's in it. No, he's in a worse spot. He's in Houston, which is sounds like <laughs> oh, they moved ra- him to running back. I would rather be, I would rather be on the COVID list than be on the Houston Texans <laughs> roster right now. Teron Davenport, Corey Curtis. Thanks for the time. All right, Music City Mailbag comes your way momentarily, and then we'll talk about this Kaharski and A.J. Brown situation. God love Paul. He didn't even do anything tonight that really that really started a fire, and yet the fire ends in his lap either way. We will do that momentarily right after. I remind you that DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. 
It is America's top-rated sportsbook app for a great many reasons. But it is also the best time of year to get involved with DraftKings Sportsbook because the best time of year is right around the corner. College football season. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer right now because it's a ridiculous one. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players 200 bucks in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. So simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code A2ZSports to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 on any college football game. That's promo code A2ZSports to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Tennessee-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. All right, so we start with Eric, Tennessee underscore man, 19 underscore. A little lengthy, but that's okay. Eric writes, and by the way, you can send your Music City Mailbag questions to me anytime that you choose, and we'll answer them on the podcast uh, in my DMs on Instagram, at Buck Rising. So the, Eric is responding to a picture of Mike Vrabel. Uh, because he's, I took a funny photo of him at a press conference, I think on Friday, of him giving us a little bit of side-eye. So Eric writes, of Mike Vrabel, he makes me so mad how he treats you guys. Why don't you guys complain to J-Rob and tell him you guys are just doing your jobs? Or is it all tied in where he's trying to be Belichick and control everything the team is doing? Such an asshole. <laughs> this is what <laughs> Eric is starting us off hot in the mailbag. Talking about Mike Vrabel and his side eye and attitude. Listen, okay, I nobody nobody in the media feels the way that you do, Eric, about Mike Vrabel. In fact, I thank God that Mike Vrabel is the kind of personality that he is at those press conferences, because otherwise they would just be so incredibly uninteresting every day. Every day we speak to Mike Vrabel in some form or fashion, and he could make it as dull as Bill Belichick press conferences are. But instead, Mike Mike keeps you on your toes. Yeah, he goes back at you. Yeah, he roughs us up a little bit. But it's nothing that we take personally, um, even, even though some of us, I mean, media members are the most insecure people in the world, especially sports media. And I think some of that shows in how thin-skinned we can be on social media. But... Our dynamic with Vrabel is not something where we, I mean, we, no, and, and not even whether he was a terrible coach or a coach that wins, which right now he is certainly, <laughs> we would not go and tattletale on the head coach to the general manager who hired the head coach. That's just not how things work. You have to find, even when you are in contentious situations, which they don't really ever get like super contentious with Rabel. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to bust your ass on something if I think that I know more about the question than you're asking me about, right? We're grilling a dude who's got his master's in football when most of us, for the most part, have a bachelor's degree in football. So it's kind of a funny dynamic that way. Um, Drake Thorson on Instagram writes, out of the little practice we've seen, Who's looked more promising, Des Fitzpatrick or Racing McMath? 
So I think with Dez, they're asking him to do a lot more. Like he's learning how to play all three wide receiver positions at this point. Racy is definitely going to have a special teams focus first and foremost, and, and then wide receiver second if they can find a way to develop him. So to that end, Dez, I don't think, has had really enough time at any one position, any of the three wide receiver positions, to be super comfortable. And I think that's kind of why we're seeing such a shakiness in camp. I mean, you heard Teron earlier in the podcast say, yeah, there's going to be days when he's not active on game day. And that's a benefit of the the wide receiver core that they currently have. They're pretty stocked right now with guys like Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers making good plays at camp and, and potentially one of them, at least one of them, being on the outside looking in with the way that they have to do the roster construction math. So look at Racy McMath as a special teamer. Look at Des Fitzpatrick as a wide receiver at this point in their careers. And that will probably be something that benefits you from the way that you do the analysis, Drake. And you'll see both of them on Friday night in Atlanta. Uh, Let's see. William Bafford on Instagram. Love your show. You've got to watch Dylan at practice. Do you think he's got a shot at winning the right tackle spot? Um, So he's talking about Dylan Radens. And what he is saying there, well, right now, you know, we we did a whole spiel on the primetime show that I've just finished on the unofficial depth chart because they did put out an unofficial depth chart and the internet went crazy because, and we, I mean, we talked about this earlier on the podcast too. So right now, as we mentioned, Dylan Raidens is not even listed as a tackle. He's listed as a backup right guard behind Nate Davis. Um, Your right tackles currently on this roster are Ty Sambrello, Kendall Lamb, and the pronunciation. So it's Brett, Brent, excuse me, Brent Qualley, spelled Q-B-A-L-E. Qualley is the backup right tackle. Ty Sambrello, Kendall Lamb as like co-starters, and then Brent Quali, who is a recent acquisition, apparently a veteran of a, of a handful of games, brought in to kind of replenish this roster because they're dealing with a lot of injuries on the offensive line. Long story short, Dylan Rains isn't ready. Uh, and he may not be ready for some time. But, I mean, really, Nate Davis wasn't ready, ready when they threw him into the lineup in 2019. And he struggled at points during his rookie season. But net benefit more than anything. I think for Dylan or for Nate Davis in his trajectory. Now, it's not a given that Dylan Raidens will be on that same trajectory, but he does have potential. And again, they're asking him to do a lot right now. He's struggling with consistency, as Vrabel will tell you, all of the rookies are struggling with consistency. But that is a, a subject for future analysis because right now, Dylan Raidens, the preseason is going to be big for him because uh, he has a lot to prove. So in regards to this Kaharski thing, that's the Music City Mailbag. Send them to my DMs on Instagram. We answer them each and every Tuesday on the pod, even though we're taping this on a Monday. Uh, What I would say to you is, before we conclude tonight, I would like to touch on this A.J. Brown situation. Now, the tweet has since been been deleted by AJ Brown. I think it I think it made it about an hour and a half before somebody probably told him, "Hey, take that shit down before you get in trouble." But our buddy Kaharski over at Out, Outkick 360 tweeted out a video of Josh Reynolds today. And it basically said Josh Reynolds doesn't look very explosive to me. Now, if you listen to the earlier part of the podcast with Teron and and Corey, 
we very much expressed that same opinion. And Paul, in a later tweet, in that same thread, basically said, yeah, he's working his way back from injury. A lot of these guys are going full go in a way that he may not be able to right now. So he did add that context in a later tweet. But A.J. Brown didn't see to see, seem to see the context in the later tweet and took Kaharski's head off. Quote, and because this is a podcast, I can cuss. I'm excited about it. Quote from 1K Always Open on Twitter. I'm going to say this as nice as I can, which is not very nice. I add parenthetically. Nobody, all caps, asked for your fucking opinion. <laughs> I, listen, you guys know that Paul's my friend. We love Kaharski around here, but it's just, it's just, I'm going to say this as nice as I can, dot, dot, dot. Nobody asked for your fucking opinion. That's the lead off. He's probably working through something like everyone else is in camp. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I don't even care. Need to learn some respect fast. That's AJ Brown quote tweeting Kaharski's video of Josh Reynolds, putting him, uh, just putting him in his place in a way that is very public and very, very, very tough if you're Paul. Now, you guys know Kaharski. Paul will tell you, I'm sure, that he doesn't care about this, and it's not any of our jobs to be friends with the players. Now, it helps our lives to have a productive and friendly working relationship with the players, which Kaharski probably more often than not does not have. Paul still does a great job in his work. And his analysis, by the way, on Josh Reynolds is spot on. He doesn't look very explosive right now. But because of the relationship that Paul has with the players, or lack thereof, the players are very quick to take his head off. So I, I'm Paul's fine. AJ's going to be fine. The tweet's deleted. And I'm sure he'll get a stern talking to in the team meeting tomorrow morning. For able to throw the... I, I'm, I'm, I don't know this, of course, but... In my head, I imagine Mike having a full team meeting in the auditorium, as they do every morning, throwing this shit up on the screen in front of everybody and be like, hey, all of you, this is how you don't handle the media. Because now you've let the media know that you're reading your mentions, even in a tweet that you're not tagged in. So (laughs) it's a comedy errors. It's, it's, It's drama, but it is why we say, and we will die on this hill, that Titans Twitter is a sacred place. And it must be protected at all costs because we need this right now to get us through the heat of summer. That's going to do it for us today here on the 615 Sessions podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to you guys. Subscribe, review, leave us five stars in Apple Podcasts. You would make my day. Don't you want to make my day? Make my day because I feel like we've done a little bit. I don't know if we've made your day, but I feel like we've made your day a little better. So throw us a bone. Give us five stars in Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend. The 615 Sessions comes your way every Tuesday. A few things to plug on the way out the door. If you're listening to this Tuesday morning, Anthony Ferkser is going to be on my radio show at 11.15. We're doing it live from training camp. Every day, basically, if the Titans have training camp. Um, And Anthony Ferkser will be on 11.15 on Tuesday. We had Jeffrey Simmons on Monday's radio show, so check out that in the podcast form. The Buck Rising Show, wherever it is you get your podcast. Wednesday's episode of The Install with Greg Cosell of NFL Films, another podcast because I don't have enough to do, that I do every Wednesday with Greg, a deep dive on Ryan Tannehill, an analysis of RT17, QB1, as you know him. Don't miss that as well. And then, of course, 
Preseason games. Titans Radio has the coverage. Corey Curtis on News Channel 2 will have the coverage as well. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be in Atlanta. We're going to be rocking it. And we're doing it all for you guys because the content machine keeps on rolling. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay clean, stay Delta free. And as always, beautiful people, stay hot. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. It is powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. And it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Protect Titans Twitter. Twitter.